Good morning. It is Friday, February 19th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined right now by Brian Doan, 24-7 Sports National Recruiting Analyst. And we're talking Rutgers today. Brian, I, the excuse to get you on the podcast is that <laughs> the, the, the Scarlet Knights are recruiting really well. They, they just got a pledge from Anthony Johnson, four-star linebacker, the number 165 player in the 24-7 Sports Composite. And they're up to number nine. I definitely want to talk about that, but I also just want to have a larger conversation about Rutgers and Greg Schiano and the state of things. But as we start with Anthony Johnson and landing a, a top 200 kid, does this surprise you or are you, are you used at this point to seeing Greg Schiano recruiting so well? I mean, it's always surprising because he's not a Jersey kid. But but first of all, thanks for having me on. And it just tells me the rest of the country must be snowed in or colded out or something. <laughs> so so here I am. But uh, I appreciate you having me on. But I mean, with, with Anthony Johnson, um, you know, I, I think it's important to look at the fact that Fran Brown one of the assistant coaches at Rutgers who has great ties to Philadelphia and South Jersey, who, you know, recruited well at Temple. He recruited well at Baylor. When, when you go back and you look at Baylor, had some kids from South Jersey when he was there, and he just has a really good connection. And listen, I, I first heard about Anthony leaning toward Rutgers late last week when I was talking to his coach, Albie Crosby at Newman Goretti in Philly. And I was like, wow, really? Anthony's a big time prospect and he didn't get a chance. He doesn't do the camp stuff much. They didn't play in the fall, and it's easy to forget about him. But listen, he's an inside linebacker who who is physical, plays downhill. You know, I, I wrote it when he committed that he's got to be more consistent with with hitting the right gaps and all that stuff. But but that's something that can develop over time. And I was a little surprised that he was going to wind up at Rutgers. And mm. and then I was at a seven on seven over the weekend and heard, hey man, this this thing's progressing pretty quickly. So I'm surprised in the sense that this is not in the typical Rutgers wheelhouse. They've gotten some kids from the outskirts of Philadelphia, not really the heart of Philadelphia. They're usually not top two, four, seven kids. But then when you say, okay, Fran Brown's tied into Philadelphia, everybody there loves him, right? He's like the unofficial mayor when he's going around to all these high schools, you know, back in the day when they could actually go out and visit schools. So from that standpoint, it makes complete sense. Anthony is a smart kid who, you know, wants to play in front of family a lot. So it's close. It's the Big Ten. His style fits the Big Ten just in terms of being that physical, rugged, in-the-box linebacker. So when I start putting the pieces together, it makes sense. But listen, I know what Greg Schiano did his first time around, and it was impressive. But you kind of forget exactly how good he can be in recruiting and Fran does a great job and then you cap it with Shiano who is able to just finish up the job and, and land the kid so yeah I'm surprised but I think we'll probably see a little bit more stuff like this too it feels like Rutgers fans are really excited. Our, our producer Lance Glenn was—he he suggested we do an episode on on this. <laughs> and I—I uh, I was reading ScarletNation.com, the Rutgers twenty-four-seven sports side, and they did an interview with a lot of former Rutgers players, kind of based on just the excitement of landing Anthony Johnson and Eric Legrand had some really good things to say about Greg Schiano and the direction of the program. And it, it's fun. I think it's so fun to. to watch programs who so at least when I was you know growing up or in high school or, or whatever were, were kind of the fun team to watch and and add the out of nowhere team and then of course you, you you're so bad for so long and <laughs> to see them kind of come back and be good it's it's kind of exciting and you uh you know you live in New Jersey uh, you live in East Brunswick you're close yeah. to Rutgers you you were you were around for for Chris Ash and this coaching search that brought Greg Shiano back yeah. and I I, I want to talk about that coaching search and and then we'll kind of talk about yeah we can because yeah, you know yeah. I've had a lot to say about it and I'll continue to have a lot to so say about it. You you say you have a lot to say about it. Like what 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 are you 
the athletic director oh. Pat Hobbs and they they it, they kind of walked away from Shiano and and then there was a fan <laughs> backlash like no you you better get this guy are you talking about that yeah I, I mean it was comical in a sad it's like the perfect like you know tragic comedy whereas listen Rutgers is a unique place in many levels in terms of they have a new president now but in the past their presidents have not supported athletics. There's one guy who's actually won at Rutgers, okay? Let, let's let's look at the 10 or 11 years that Shiano was there before. If we subtract those years, they went to one bowl game. That bowl game was the Garden State Bowl in, I think, 1978, which was made just for Rutgers and it survived two years. He comes in, and I think he probably went to like six or seven bowl games. There was the year where they were ranked in the top 10, which I don't care what you say about schedule, whatever. I mean, you know, everybody that's old enough remembers the Louisville game. If you can just, in your mind, comprehend Rutgers was a top 10 team, it kind of explains what Shiana was able to do the first time around. He has always been really good with the boosters, his former players, they may not love him at the time sometimes when they play for him, but once they leave, they love him. And he's got a, you know, he, he's got a couple of really good friends in Bill Belichick and Urban Meyer who are always vouching for him for, you know, with coaching. And so when you knew it wasn't going the direction you wanted it to go if you were Rutgers with Chris Ash, there became pretty much one target that everybody thought should be the guy. So not only did Pat Hobbs not think that was the guy in Greg Schiano, he didn't even want to talk to him. And I don't care what revisionist history we want to go with now. The fact of the matter is he didn't want to go to, to talk to Schiano. The search firm said to him, listen, everybody we talked to says this is the guy. He still didn't want to talk to him. He finally feels the pressure to talk to him talks to him, does whatever he, you know, they, they have the, I don't know if we want to call it an interview, but the feeling out session. And Hobbs goes back to the Rutgers Board of Governors who basically have to sign off on the hire and say, hey, this guy's asking for private planes, helicopters, basically all the stuff any other school would use in recruiting, including, I remember I had a friend who was at Western Michigan and he sent me a picture of one of his coaches getting ready to board a private plane saying, so we can use private planes, but Rutgers can't. That's what Pat Hobbs took back to the board of governors. So there's all this backlash. We can't have this. You know, one of the former governors decides to chime in. Oh, you shouldn't be using private jets for recruiting. Well, forget the fact that he was using private jets to you know, take trips because he was a big Notre Dame fan. So <laughs> the boosters are now out of their mind because, you know, Pat Hobbs is talking about, you know, looking at Butch Jones, looking at Steve Adazio, who was a basket fired from Boston College. And to me and to a lot of people, Pat Hobbs did not want Greg Schiano as the coach. Because he knew the moment Greg Schiano walked on campus that, A, he was the most recognizable person, B, he was the most powerful person in athletics on that campus. Pat Hobbs didn't want it. Wow. Pat Hobbs is a guy who, as the AD, sits end court by the players' bench, leading cheers and cheering, which I I've been around college athletics a long time. I've never seen that. And so it was so bad that an apathetic fan base at Rutgers and a donor base that had been criticized for not supporting the program enough went so crazy that they started to threaten to pull tens of millions of dollars of pledges and funding. And so they had to go back. And, and so Shiano pulled out. And to me, I think it was a power play move saying, listen, you think you're in charge? Shiano pulled out. And, and remarkably, 
a day or two later, the governor's tweeting about how Greg Schiano should be the coach. Pat Hobbs did not understand Greg Schiano's popularity in the state. And now when it comes to Rutgers football, you hear about Schiano. When it comes to Rutgers athletics, you barely hear about Pat Hobbs. How sweet is it for Greg Schiano to get reverse Tennessee there and then win, <laughs> and, and then go three and six, which is a pretty good record for Rutgers in a truncated Big Ten season? Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, probably deep down he's probably smiling a little bit about yeah. it, but I, I think I think um, you know he, he's very calculating, but I also he, he's very competitive. So I would think that what concerns him more is how do you get better, how do you rebuild the talent pool, how do you change over a roster in a pandemic to where I mean, if you look, I think they average something like eight points a game in. You know, Chris Ash lasted a month, then they went with Nunzio Campanelli as the interim coach. I think they averaged eight points a game in the Big Ten. And this last season, they were scoring close to 30 a game. And I think, you know, as as much as it's nice to smile about how things happened and how you got there, the work ahead is so mountainous. I mean, it is a huge hill to climb, you know, because you're playing Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State every year on top of all that. So for me, you know, I, I think that's what his focus is. I think his focus is, okay, got the job, it's in place, let's get out and recruit. And, and I remember, you know, there's a lot of people that talk about Rutgers and what they are and what they were, and, and that's fine. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. But I remember the day he was hired, you know, I'm sitting home, I have the Big Ten Network on because I'm going to just watch the press conference or whatever. And they're playing that game against Louisville that everybody knows from like 05 or 06, whatever year it was. It's a Thursday night game, which was supposed to be their arrival and they, they come back from a big deficit and I'm looking at the starting lineup of it and like 18 or 19 of the 22 guys in the starting lineup went on to play in the NFL and you're sitting there going holy cow they had a ton of talent and I think that's where you're trying to get back to if, if you're Shiano you know now you get to recruit yeah you're, you're playing against Ohio State and all those guys but you also get to recruit and say hey we're we're in the Big Ten and so I, I think I think that's where his focus is. The College Football Daily will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Rom under center, takes the snap, drops back. Yes! He is sacked! Yes! And the Scarlet Knights win it! There is pandemonium in Piscataway! Rutgers has knocked off number three Louisville, 28-25, to 25, and they are going insane! Talked about retooling the roster. They've certainly been very active in the transfer portal. You talked about Fran Brown. They have just a tremendous staff. What is the next step for them as far as roster building and player acquisition? I'm looking at the top recruits in New Jersey for the class of 2021. Brian, they got they got two of the top ten, but but none of the top or one of the top five. Number five, Elijah Clark. Ole Miss got the top player from New Jersey. Stanford got number two. Notre Dame got number three. Michigan get, got number four. Is it going to take a little bit of time for Rutgers to to get these these star New Jersey players? And there are a lot of star kids from New Jersey. 
willing to stay home. Yeah. And, and I think that that's the next step. You say, what's the, you know, he's got a good staff, right? I mean, Fran Brown's killed it on the recruiting trail. Augie Hoffman, who was a first year guy who was at a North Jersey school, he was killed. He, he did really well on the recruiting trail his first year. There's a lot of talent in North Jersey. You know, Jim Panagos, the D-line coach, does a lot of recruiting and, and does a good job bringing in, especially D-linemen. So what's next in recruiting? Well, Sean Gleason's got to get a quarterback. Right. So he's the offensive coordinator and that's what they're missing. They had a they had a game manager in Noah Vedra last year. They need a big time quarterback. They did not take a quarterback in the last class. I don't know if they'll take one in the transfer portal. They tried to get Jack Cohn, who went to Notre Dame. Can can Nunzio Campanelli, who was the interim coach and had a tight ends coach, can his roots in North Jersey, he's got, you know, a brother who's an assistant with the Dolphins, and he's got his other brother, Vito, is the Bergen Catholic coach who you mentioned Taiwan Malone, the number one player who went to Mississippi. That's Nunzio's brother who was the head coach. And they have a stud quarterback in Steve Angeli in this class who's looking like he may go to Notre Dame. So I, I think they have to find a way to tap into that. But this is a slow build. And, and New Jersey's unique. And I don't think a lot of people realize this. So up until the late 70s, early 80s, Rutgers was playing Colgate, Lehigh, Lafayette, Bucknell, a lot of those schools. And so you would go to a game as a somebody from New Jersey. They didn't have lights at their stadium. So you would go to your afternoon game against Colgate or Princeton, whatever. And you'd come home and you'd watch some game on TV. And so as a fan, a lot of people adopted other schools. Okay, that's going to be my school, Notre Dame, Penn State, wherever, because that's who their parents watched. And so it takes a while to build that up because everybody has these allegiances now. And it takes a long time to get entrenched and become part of the consciousness for people to want to go there. And and he had it there. When he left, he, they, they were doing really well. They were getting a lot of the top players. And then Kyle Flood comes in, and I feel like half the roster was getting arrested. And then Chris Ash comes in with no New Jersey ties, n- not on staff either, and with NCAA sanctions because of what Kyle Flood did when he was at Rutgers. And, you know, so for the past eight years, it's just been an absolute mess. And so now you got to try to rebuild it again. And if you think you can do that quickly in a market where, I mean, you know, Jets, Giants, Rangers, Devils, Knicks, Nets, Yankees, Mets. And then, by the way, Islanders. Island, well, I was going to say the Islanders, but they're a little further. Oh. <laughs> and then if you go, if you go an hour and 10 minutes south, you're in Philadelphia. So there's a lot of distractions here with that stuff also. It's like you look at the Devils. Devils have won Stanley Cups and all that stuff, and it's still a Rangers area because they've been around forever. And that's and and a lot of fandom is passed on through generations in the household. So it just takes time and winning cures a lot in this area. And when they started to get good, they started to get really good players. I thought I was I thought I was helping you out with the Islanders. You left <laughs> Islanders are farther. Everybody else is within about an hour. Like you're talking about, you know, the Nets, Knicks and all those. They're within an hour. The Islanders, they're out on Long Island. I mean, geez, some days it could take three hours to get there. And, you know, it's it's uh, but you your point is well taken. It, it's just another thing. And, and so. They recruit Long Island pretty good. And Shauna's always recruited really well. I mean, he was at Rutgers. He recruited well. He went to Ohio State. He was, he was one of Urban's top recruiters at Ohio State. I mean, you go down the, the list of the kids that he brought in. And so getting back to Rutgers, he has his plan. He's been through it once. He's had time to sit through all the mistakes that he made, all the things he would want to do better. And if you look and, and the other thing that can't be 
underestimated in all this. And I say it all the time because, you know, people like to give Chris Ash a tough time. And I get it. He, he, he had a really tough tenure here. But Chris Ash tried to hire Fran Brown and Rutgers couldn't afford him. Now Rutgers is paying coach, you know, they're paying position coaches half a million dollars or more. And so they've, in addition to Shiano coming in and, and bringing all of his experience and everybody in the state knows who he is, the other thing that they've done is they finally made a financial commitment to actually be a productive and competitive Big Ten football team. I mean, when you're trying to hire a guy from Temple and you can't afford him, there's some problems. So this upcoming season, I asked Lance, I said, what are realistic fan expectations? He said five or seven or, or six and six. Every notable senior is returning. Season starts with Temple, <laughs> Syracuse, Delaware. So he's expecting three and oh. Brian, when Rutgers is good up in that area, you mentioned the 15 professional teams they have to compete with for attention. So I'm not expecting you to tell me it's like Tuscaloosa on a, on a September Saturday. What is it like, though, when they're good? And, and what can we look forward to if, if they ever get really good again? To me, at, at places like Rutgers, students make the games, right? If, if you have a large student turnout, they bring energy to everything. And I think that's what it is. I think what's good? Good is their building holds about 55,000. Good is getting close to that every game. And then when you have those big games against whether Penn State comes in or whoever's good and hot at the time that comes in and it's that night game, then there's a lot of atmosphere and it's like anywhere else. I mean, it's 52,000, so it's not going to be as loud as 107,000 at Penn State or 110 at the big house or 85 in Lincoln or whatever Lincoln holds. But, you know, it's also, it's a tighter environment. And so, yeah, you you should be able to, with a good product and the population base of this area, if you're good, you should sell out games. And, you know, you go on and on about things. Everything needs to improve at Rutgers. It's not just the football. It's everything within the infrastructure and facilities. But I think people just want to go to a game and know that when the game is in the third quarter, it's not over yet. I think that was probably the most painful thing for fans this year, you know, just checking on the Scarlet Nation message board and, and, you know, just talking to some people since I live close by is they were finally good. They were finally competitive. I say competitive, maybe not good. They're competitive and you couldn't go cheer for them. You couldn't, you had to sit there and watch your TV and that's all you could do. And it's been a while since you could go to a game and feel like, they would be in it in the fourth quarter. Well, shoot, be in it in the in the late second quarter, <laughs> let alone the fourth quarter. So, but I think you know, I think people are hungry for it. I think when you watch what happens with their basketball team last year, I mean, their basketball team was good. They were going to go to the NCAs for the first time since like '91 or '92 until obviously everything got shut down. It's not like they were like 28 and three. I mean, they were they were good. They were fun, but they're so the Rutgers fan base is so starved for success that when you get some of it, it makes it, it, it adds to the excitement because it's been so long since they've had it. Now, listen, if, if Lance thinks they're winning six or seven games next year, God bless them. I mean, yeah, they have everybody back, but pretty much most other programs too do also, <laughs> and they still got to find a, a figure out their offensive line. I mean, yeah, everybody's back. Did you watch the offensive line last year? Because the offensive line still has to develop. And, and I, But I think that's one of the keys. When you look at them or you look at even Michigan State with Mel Tucker or, you know, pick, pick whatever program last year had a first-year coach to where you didn't even have, like, off-season conditioning. So, you know, 
the the gains that are made in the weight room, spring practice, all that stuff, you didn't have. You have it now. So now you trust the development if you're Greg Schiano, Mel Tucker, or whomever else, right? Carl Durrell at Colorado. You, you trust that development and see what you can do to make yourself better. And then the other thing is, one of the things Rutgers did well was they were very creative on offense. Sean Gleason does a great job with calling the play as the offensive coordinator. Really creative. He adjusts well in games to, to attack some pressure points where maybe the defense is vulnerable after he sees it. Well, now you got the whole offseason to study his tape of what he does with that personnel. So, yeah, you should get better, but every other team should get better. And it's not like Rutgers was going out there. I mean, they beat Michigan State by what? seven, 10 points and had seven t- and they turned Michigan state over like seven times. So it's not like they're up, you know, 48, three and running out the fourth string in the fourth quarter. So it's still a build. It's still, it's still a build. And I know people are, get excited about things, but let's just say hey, these things take time. <laughs> the, uh, very New Jersey of you to kind of pour cold water on, on Lance's <laughs> optimism. Brian Doan, we thank you for joining us. Follow him on Twitter at Brian Doan 247. Brian, as I went to pull up your Twitter feed, I saw that Saquon Barkley is among your 25,000 followers. So that's a, it's a pretty good follow. And uh, you certainly were a, a, a fun guest here on the College Football Daily. We will we will be uh, hope, hoping for more reasons to talk Rutgers this season. I'm, I'm, I'm going to root for them. They're, they're kind of one of my uh, adopted teams I'd like to see be good. <laughs> uh, we will be back on Monday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. Once again, this is Brian Doan and our producer is Lance Glenn. Go Scarlet Knights. Go Scarlet Knights.